2: MMA fan podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stuart Blake.
3: Right, quickly before we get on with the episode, we've got an announcement. The MMA fan podcast is now sponsored by Free Train. Blake, what's Free Train?
2: Free Train is a fantastic company that do these amazing vests for when you run, when you train, whether you're going for a run or hitting the bag. You can keep your phone close to your chest, and uh, yeah, they're brilliant. They've got a little pocket for your keys. You no know more or do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket or at an awkward angle on your arm or anything like that. You've got the vest on phones there easy access to it they do some great uh, gloves as well to keep your hands warm and be able to touch the phone and everything it's all linked up with your phone so yeah they're a fantastic brand couple of pockets for your keys everything you need when you go for a run or if you're hitting the bag training and you're not
3: just saying this for the sake of it before they even become our sponsors you had one of these vests, didn't you
2: yeah Yeah, I've I've still got it. I run with it all the time. But yeah, before they became our sponsors, I had one of these vests. They are genuinely brilliant. I really like them. And uh, yeah, I'm really pleased they're our sponsor.
3: And if you want one, if you head over to freetrain.com, when you go shopping and you put all your stuff in in your basket, just before you check out, if you put in the code MMAFAN, you'll save yourself 10%. Don't say we don't spoil you here on this podcast. 10% off an amazing vest from Free Train. www.freetrain.com
2: All right, let's get on with the show.
3: Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about. Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognised brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins and much more.
2: Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions including UFC, Bellator, Brave and Cage Warriors with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram which is at phil underscore supreme or their website, www.phillsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello, and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am Blake Harrison, and joining me as ever is...
3: Uh, Stu Whiffin. How you doing, everybody? How are you, Blake Harrison?
2: I'm good. You had to think about your name for a second there. You're a bit tired, aren't you? Let's be honest. I am a
3: bit tired. Yeah, my nightclub's reopened, so I'm 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 back to working silly hours at the weekend and uh and so Sundays is normally the day we're recording this on a Sunday, I should uh, I should let you know. Sundays is normally the day that I kind of fall out of bed, watch a bit of uh, The Last Night's UFC and then just kind of try and uh, put my head back together from the weekend of work. So uh so yeah. Anyway, enough about me. Who's our guest today?
2: Our guest today is fighting for the interim featherweight title on Cage Warriors. uh, The next trilogy, which is Cage Warriors 128 on Friday, October 1st. Of course, I am talking about Irishman Paul Hughes, who will be taking on Morgan Charrier for that interim belt.
3: There's a lot of talk of Paul Hughes. Everybody is excited about him. Yeah, he's, and rightly so.
2: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, as with Ian Gary, lots of people talking about Paul Hughes, very exciting uh, young fighter out of Ireland. You know, we, we've had Sean Sheehan on our show recently, uh, MMA journalist who very high on Paul Hughes as well. Dan Hardy said fantastic things about Paul Hughes. He's someone that a lot of people think the ceiling is very, very high for him. Uh, so if he wins that interim title uh, on October 1st, It seems like it's inevitable that he'll be going to the UFC either after he unifies that belt uh, against Jordan Vucenic, potentially, or just go straight to the UFC. I mean, the the ceiling, as I said, is is very, very high for him. And you know that the people at the UFC are going to be watching his fight with Morgan Charrier very, very closely. So... Without further ado, I would say we will start this uh, episode. But if you want to check it out on YouTube rather than just listening to the podcast, you can do that. The YouTube channel is up, MMA Fan Podcast. YouTube channel is uh, is around now. And uh, with this episode in particular, as we've mentioned, uh, Stu is a little bit tired. or he's a bit tired. or he needs a little bit of sleep. What you can do is play a fun game. I've got game. no excuse. No, what you can do is play a fun game of... Stu Whiffin is hiding his yawns. And see how many times you can count Stu Whiffin being incredibly unprofessional. He's hanging his head in shame, as I, really I say am. this. It's nothing against Paul Hughes. He was a fantastic no. guest. You know? But if Paul Don't does want making to...
3: You not know, I'm, I'm, I'm yawning at uh, a straight-up
2: killer. It's, it, I'm going to bump into him at Cage Warriors. Exactly. If Paul Hughes wants to take this up with Stu, he can. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that's a fun game for you to play. Stu Whiffin... Our granddad wiffin is hiding his yawns um if you want to check that out on YouTube but if you don't want to check it out on YouTube you want to get straight to it keep listening here is our fantastic interview with Paul Hughes Paul Hughes oh. how are you mate?
4: yes the lads what's the crack We're good mate we're good uh, you've you just finished training for the day have you I have indeed yet yeah. Sunday services I like to say nice. so okay. don't hey go chill out I'll go see the parents later so. Yeah, all good here. How's no, training fun. going? Very good, mate. Everything's perfect. Everything's perfect. Just peaking at the right time. The weight's fantastic. I'm having fun with it. I've got one more week of hard training left, and yeah, everything's just come together perfectly here at the last at the at the right time. Wonderful,
2: fantastic. It's good to hear. Good to hear. Right. Well, I mean, I suppose I wanted to start off a little bit differently to what we do because you know, you 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 grew up in Derry, is that right? Am I right in saying that? yes sir um you know we Derry is somewhere that it not too long ago was a place of you know a lot of conflict a lot of troubles Mm. um you're part of a newer generation to have grown up there and I wanted to know did did you feel any of that tension growing up or any of that And, and did that in any way motivate you towards combat sports at all was was that kind of the area that surrounded you uh, and the atmosphere of that, did that in any way seep into you and propel you into combat sports at all?
4: I don't think it was there was anything in particular that drove me towards con- combat sports in terms of, like, obviously the history of the place and my upbringing. I think that where I'm from, I'm from the country, like, and where I'm from, we're brought up tough, generally speaking. And we play a sport called Gaelic and Gaelic and hurling, that's two, like, crazy sports here, which is basically our national sport that when you're young, and where you're from, where I'm from, you just play it, and they're very they're they're very intense sports. Um, and I think that's that's sort of where I got that competitiveness and that toughness, and of course, just being from the country as well. Like you just you're brought up a little bit more tough, in my opinion. And I think that's basically what led me to MMA was just the love of of getting stuck in, the love of competition, and then I played that until it was about. I actually played that up until I was 17 or 18, but I started MMA at 15. And, and once I found MMA, it was sort of just slowly but surely MMA just started taking over my life. But no, I, I, I couldn't say that that anything in particular had led me towards fighting. I think just, as I say, just being where I'm from, you come up tough and you like, you like a scrap.
3: <laughs> so was it always like a 15th, just straight into MMA? Or, or was there a background of I'd boxed a bit or I'd done a bit of Muay Thai or anything like that? No,
4: it was actually MMA from day one, which was is not too common, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was it was literally first day it was an MMA gym, and about a month later, I was absolutely hooked, and it's taken over my life since.
2: I suppose it's becoming more common, isn't it? Because the the general thing was always so and so was a boxer, or they did karate, or they did jujitsu, or or whatever it was. But now it seems like with the yeah, particularly with i suppose the 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 obvious one is the connor mcgregor effect mma gyms are sprouting up all over the uk and ireland and places like that and there are probably young kids now that are getting into mma like my my daughter even as as only this summer started like jujitsu class but it's more what they it's like a grapple girls class down the road mm-hmm. and uh and they do do a little bit of striking and a little bit of other stuff as well so from an early age MMA seems to be something that young kids can get into. Do you think we're gonna see a big evolution of the sport because of that? Because as you say, if most people were doing one sport and then kind of try to blend their skills with with other uh martial arts, then they're doing that at probably a later age. Whereas now, if you're doing MMA from five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten or whatever it is, will we start seeing people that are better than the generation before and better than the generation before again and and the sport will really evolve
4: yeah i mean i think we're well into that period now i think maybe five six years ago you could say i think right now that's (laughs) i mean you just got to see the kids coming up in the gyms these days like from from around that age 10 12 years old whenever they start developing like a full mma game and they just flow with it and they've got every aspect of the game down to a T and, and you're just watching and you're like, Oh my god, like how are you gonna deal with these guys in ten years? Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I remember I mean go ahead. No, go ahead sorry, Paul, go on.
3: No, no, go ahead. I I do remember like and it was about five, six, maybe seven years ago, when Rory Macdonald started really coming through in UFC, that was being banded around that he's one of this kind of next generation of fully formed mixed martial artists that are coming through with a level, you know, a level sort of set of skills rather than he's the wrestler that's learned to strike or he's the boxer that's learned to roll. He it, it, it said, like, you know, around that point was the first kind of peak of, like, you're well-rounded mixed martial artists.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you bring him up. I was studying him last weekend and, I mean, like, usually I'm watching fights. I'm studying all the time. But sometimes when I'm in fight camp and I'm just living it day in, day out, like maybe there's three or four days where I, where I haven't studied someone or haven't watched it. And I watched Roy McDonald last week and some of his highlights and some of his fights. And I was just, oh, it just blew me away how good this guy is. And as you, as you mentioned about one of these early guys that come in day one, and you're absolutely right. Look look at his game. It's He's got a full MMA game. And that's what I find almost most fascinating about the sport. And I guess that's what's so exciting about the sport and where it's going to go and the the, the trajectory of it right now is just, it's absolutely fascinating and it's just such a pleasure to be part of such, such an incredible sport but such a growing sport that's that's going to take, in my opinion, it's going to take over the world and in the next 10 years, I think MMA is what everybody's going to want to do and it's what everybody's going to watch in, in my personal opinion.
2: I, I completely agree. and So you, you are, Based in in Northern Ireland, is that correct? But you yes, you represent. When I look at your gum shields and and, uh, and and I see the the little letters underneath representing your country, you're representing Ireland. Yeah. So, do you see what's going like? Because we had the uh, the September fourth card recently with a lot of UK MMA fighters on it. Do you see the UK MMA fighters like uh, you know Molly and Paddy and Tom Aspinall and Jack Shaw and people like that when they're doing well? Does that still in any way kind of inspire you or 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 motivate you at all you are you happy for those guys doing well over there or Uh, uh, yeah because i mean i i see it as like particularly when mma is such a global sport i listen to like american podcasts and they still get us all mixed up even though we all know we're very different but like uh, particularly in like, accents and stuff. I think Paddy was having a go at someone on, on Twitter recently. Well, not that that's a new thing, but Paddy was having a go at someone on Twitter recently because they said that he's stolen the accent off Conor McGregor. And it's like, E Scouse and McGregor's from like, <laughs> Dublin. And, and then there was well, I, I, there's an a, American MMA podcast and American MMA like proper journalists and sites that will say things like, Oh, that Englishman, Jack Shaw. And you're like, he's Welsh. We did. <laughs> and they they get it wrong all the time. So I kind of, I feel a slight kind of like kinship with, you know, obviously all of the UK, but with Ireland as well, I want to see people like yourself and Ian Gary doing really, really well and going on to really big things because we're only separated by that tiny bit of water. Do you, do you have that, that similar thing where you, do you feel like we're all in it together
4: or is there a bit of like, no, we're over here and the UK guys are there. No man, I mean like everyone's different, I guess. But me, I love I love to see everyone do do well, regardless of where they're yeah. from. But like, yeah, I I see wins for the likes of like Paddy and Molly and these guys that are going into the. I I see that as a win for us as well. Do you know what yeah. I mean the UK Ireland? Like I also sort of see us as one bunch as well, and then sort of you've got the European scene as well. But I think like the UK Ireland scene, I think just the history of MMA as well. We've always been so well connected. I mean, it's sort of funny when, when people get everything mixed up, like the Americans and all, but like, I guess I don't blame them at all. I mean, like, I, I live in Northern Ireland here, but I identify as being Irish, and then you've got other people who identify as being British, and then you've got other people who identify as being just Northern Irish. So, like, people from here don't even know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't blame the Yanks for for getting it wrong. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's a win for one of us guys over here, especially people, uh, especially guys coming through cage warriors I mean, I just love to see it. I love to see them get signed. I love to see them do well in the UFC because especially that, like people like Jack Shore, like what a, what a standout guy. Oh. Like I up to Jack Shore so much and he's just on that same pathway as myself. And, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a wonderful thing to see everyone come up through the same sort of ranks. And yeah, it's a good thing. Man. And it,
3: it, yeah. it felt to me, I don't know if it it, it does to you, Paul, but, Certainly, after that that card at the uh, the other weekend with Paddy and Molly and Tom and such, like, and, and looking at what's happening in Cage Warriors, like it feels like it's a good time for for that scene at the moment. You know, UK Island, it feels like it's probably the best it's ever been.
4: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I know Ariel Hawani had had been going off a little bit recently about Cage Warriors guys coming through and not doing so well in the UFC. But I, I, th- I thought that was a little bit harsh, to be completely honest. I think there was maybe two or three fights where they didn't win. Mason Jones had got like a draw at the time. But I think judging from that last card there, uh, we're, we're here to stay. And, and UK MMA and European MMA is, is just popping off. I mean, we have always we were always a little bit behind the American scene. But I think that, that the way that the sport is going now, and the way the industry is going, the, how the funding, just the fact that people are now being able to start making a little bit of money and that's starting to trickle down. I think that the UK and the European scene is just going to keep going and going and going.
2: I think it's exactly what you were saying earlier about those young kids coming through, not doing jujitsu or boxing, but doing MMA. And Mm -hmm. we're just seeing that now with the likes of yourself and, and Ian Gary and people like that, that coming through now that just seem to have from a young age have had to put all of these skills together. And as you say, the transitions from one discipline to another just seem to flow really nicely. And Jack Shaw is
4: also a great example of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can do it all here. Now it's, it's pretty clear. Look at Jack Shaw, the man's, the man's like Khabib almost with his wrestle <laughs> and, and he's bringing from Wales. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, once you've got it, once you've got it and, and the, the the tide is just rising everywhere. That's the way I see it.
3: Well, we, we, we mentioned Ian Gary and, and I mean, we, we, we did bump into you briefly at the last, uh, cage warriors, uh, trilogy. Um, and, and we did see you, I I don't think, uh, what we, we did see, you was in the corner, uh, of Ian Gary. Like what, I mean, obviously there was all sorts of stuff going on with whatever was going on between Ian and his corner. But when he walked out, you was with him. Uh, and it was like, Oh, what's happened there? Um, what what's your kind of take on that, Paul?
4: I mean, it's it's simple enough. I was over in London anyway with my teammate Joe McOwen, who won the world title that night. So Joe and and myself and my other two coaches were there. Obviously, with with a world title fight, you're allowed an extra corner. So he fought on the Friday night, and I'd heard earlier in the week when I was speaking to him, he he told me the crack. He told me he was out of the gym, and he needed he needed someone to do his corner, but he didn't personally ask me then. I think. I think he had asked around a little bit and and wasn't sure. And at that point, he was just like, "Do you know what? Like, fuck this! I, I can just go out by myself." You know what Ian's like? He's he's so confident. And he was like, "I'm I'm gonna walk out there by myself." And then Parney Graham heard onto that and was like, "No, like you have to have someone in your corner. Like you just can't fight without it." Probably legal reasons or some shit like Someone's that. Got to be able I, to I throw get... the towel, right? I, I guess so oh, that's yeah. that's probably the thinking behind it. Um and he just came down in my room. I mean, me and Ian have been friendly since since we started in Cage Warriors. I think we fought on the first card together uh, in the unplugged show in BT Sport. And from there we've we've had a great relationship. I mean, like I just see myself in a little, in in Ian and probably vice versa. We both just have that mindset of I want to be the best in the world and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And I think we've had we have a good relationship because of that. And he just came down in my room and was like, look, like, I know you're here. I I'm not gonna be able to fight if I don't get a corner, can you stand in for me? It's like you don't have to do anything. You don't have to you don't have to do anything basically. Just walk out with me. And I was like, well bro, like if if I'm in your corner, like I'm gonna be there to help you as much as I possibly can. I mean, like I I can empathize with you a little bit and I also know how important this is. I mean I've got the same goal as well and I mean, it was a no-brainer. I, I was there. I was free. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say no. Do you know what I mean? And, of course, i got to help a guy out when he needs it. So, yeah, that's how that came about. Um, I guess he he done the job very, very well that night, and fair play to him. Well, I mean, he,
2: he owes you a big favor there for sure because, I mean, it sounds to me like that fight could have been off because, as you say, for legal reasons, if you don't step up to the plate, then maybe that fight doesn't happen. So, well done to you for that. And also, I just want to say we were there that night And that was some amazing cornering because Jack Grant seemed to be getting wound up by you every time you were (laughs) saying something. It was, uh, I can't remember exactly what you were saying, but I think any, like, at any moment you were saying, He's panicking. He's panicking, Ian. He's panicking, or something to that effect. And Jack at one point was like, oh, panicking. Like, so, something like yeah,
4: that. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, back to me.
2: <laughs> Paul, Paul Hughes is in his head. And it's like, he, you probably done a better job than the other court at that. Obviously, no disrespect to Chris Fields. I'm joking, obviously, in terms of that. But like, the, 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 you were really winding Jack Grant up. And that was clearly doing Ian a lot of
4: favors. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> once I gave Ian the yes I'm going to do it it's like I'm I'm there to do a job I, everything must be done for Ian to win that's that's pretty simple and as much as I maybe thought in my head oh I'm just going to sit back let him do his thing give him water see when you're in the fire like I mean I that competitiveness that I have in me it just comes out and I wanted to do I wanted to put myself in the position that for Ian to win I guess like it was it's pretty simple thinking but I mean, yeah, that's pretty funny that Jack was talking back. But I, it it is a mental game in there. Like, I know Ian, Ian didn't have much of a camp. And I remember in the second round, he was breathing heavy, as you would. It's a fight. And I was like, Ian, like, Jack's obviously trying to get a hold of you here. So each time that he's shooting in, he's trying 100% to get you down and hold you and then recover again. So when the first exchange happens, you need to work hard to stop this, to create a scramble and get out of there. And you're gonna get tired. I know you're tired right now, but you got to work hard here. And I just kept reminding him that throughout the fight. And that's when I was saying, whenever Jack was shooting in, he, he's panicking. He's panicking. Keep working hard and get out of there. And yeah, that's what happened. I mean, there there was one point in I think of the fourth or fifth round where like they were talking to each other, and like at that point, Jack had like started catching me in some good shots. And and I was getting a little bit edgy. I was like, Ian, you can't switch off here. And I. <laughs> And basically, they were just talking to each other, and I was like, Ian, would you stop fucking talking and just stick to the plan and get the fuck out of that clinch? And then, oh, there's so many people said to me after that night they were pissing themselves, and I was saying that. But yeah, I mean, I got to do what I got to do to help help your boy win. I mean, not that he needed much of my help, but if there's anything I could do, I would. Well, I mean, yeah, I thought
2: you did a phenomenal job, but let's get on to your fight. Your fight in Friday, October first, against Morgan Charrier for the interim featherweight title at Cage Warriors one twenty eight. And you have been calling for Charrier for quite some time now. And you know, how sweet is it to be finally getting that fight? Or or did you kind of wish after what happened that maybe it was the Vuchenic rematch for, you know, the the main title as it were? Yeah, um say say that again at the end. So was, was I which obviously you've been calling for Charrier for a long time were you happy to get that fight or did
4: you actually at one point go i would have rather have fought Uh, vucenic for the full title see to be completely honest i i just i like how it's all worked out i mean of course i would i should have got that win against jordan that night and fought morgan in march of this year Mm -hmm. but the way that it's worked out with with jordan being injured like it means, like, in my eyes, this is the world title belt. Like, the, there's no interim about it. I've already beat Jordan, and Chapa would have been next anyway. So it actually works well for me because I get the world title here. I get to beat Chapa, the guy that I've been calling for since March of last year, which is quite a quite a long time ago. And when I get that, then I get to unify against Jordan. He gets to fight for my belt. That's how I'm seeing this. So to, and, and I can't really complain. It's actually aligned perfectly that I get to fight them both. And when I do, I get to clear out the division and there's no questions asked. Well, I think you've sort of answered my next question. Here, I was going to ask
2: you what you think of interim titles in general, because we've had we've seen different reactions to interim titles over the last maybe like year or two with, say, Justin Gaethje. When he fought Tony Ferguson, he got the interim belt and basically kind of threw it down and was like, no, I want to fight Khabib. I want the real belt. That belt doesn't mean much to me. But then on the flip side, you've got Israel Adesanya that says, after I beat Kelvin Gastelum, I became the champion. And my first title defense was against Robert Whitaker, when that was actually the, the unification. So I'm assuming you're more on the Adesanya mindset. As far as you're concerned, this is the world title. And if you fight for Echenik afterwards, that's your first defense. Am I right in saying
4: that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just depends on the situation at the time. You take something, for example, like the Francis Ngannou interim, or he's oh. just been stripped. Well, not stripped, but there's an interim belt like three or four months after he was champion Mm -hmm. so to me that's just that's non-existent that just it's just not the belt whereas we have someone like Adesanya who had been fighting actively and Whitaker had been out so that's how I feel my situation is Jordan's been out majority of the year but not only that I've already beat Jordan in my eyes I think it was pretty clear so (laughs) <laughs> when they announced that it was an interim belt I th- I was thinking to myself oh I'm gonna cut the best promo of all time whenever I get this belt I'm gonna throw it in the ground and start screaming Jordan's name in the camera and then I thought to myself I was like do you know what this is the belt like this is who yeah. I would have been fighting A anyway when I beat Jordan that time so this is the belt that I'll not be throwing it in the ground and 100% Jordan will be fighting me for my belt after this one.
2: And I've heard you mention Charrier in a couple of interviews and when you're describing Charrier, sometimes the word boring comes up. Boring. <laughs> you... born, born you... in an Irish accent. Born. Is he? Uh, <laughs> are
4: you talking about his fighter style or his personality or, or maybe both? I don't know. Actually, to be completely honest, mate, both. Um, <laughs> I've been around him at the shows. I've tried to, I've tried to have a wee ch- chat with him. see, so get in his head a bit and he's just born, mate. Absolutely born. But I think, uh, See, to be honest, like when I first said that in the interview in March of last year, it was like funny. It was like I'm here to spice up the division. That's what yeah. I said. I think I've done that. But um, with Morgan, I think his last his last performance proved that. I think that he did not fit, he did he didn't go out there to win and finish that fight. He went out there to try land some shots, which fair enough. But as soon as he landed a couple of shots, he tried to stall out rounds and he tried to win on points. He did to me. He didn't look for the finish and. I mean, that's why I called him Born. I think it's it's pretty clear. And I'll tell you one thing, there will be nothing born about my fight with him because I've never been in a born fight in my life. I never will be. My my style is too extravagant, it's too crazy, it's too it's too scrambly. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to putting the pace on the man.
3: Without sort of, you know, you giving away too much of your fight plan, how do you how do you sort of see the fight going?
4: See, to be honest, I mean, I would love to take him into the deep waters in the fourth and <laughs> fifth because I just feel like I lived there Um f- f- look at my last fight in the third round after almost finishing Hendon in the third I just shot up and was like barely breathing hard I was ready to go like I was ready for four and five and I tell you what he wasn't so I'm looking forward to bringing Morgan there if possible I mean I've had this feeling now that probably the last week as well with, with training and sparring I've had this feeling where to be completely honest I f- I feel like there's something absolutely special coming here in two weeks I feel like there's a a viral finish compliment and there's some big opportunities coming for me after this fight but that's how I'm feeling right now well
2: I've seen that you watch uh, tapes on your opponent as well and without going into too much specifics with Morgan I don't want you to like give away game plans or anything like that but can you tell us how, how you break down tapes like what what are the kind of specific things that you look for in opponents or or are you looking at it and going this is where I think I can succeed or something. I need to be very wary of like, I'm sure you're doing both of that, but what are the specific things you go, just the the ways in which you
4: break down tapes, I suppose is what I'm asking. Um, I break them down in different ways. I mean, <clears throat> I've probably watched Morgan's last few fights, maybe definitely the challenge one. I'd say I've watched maybe four or five times. Um, towards the start, it's more for enjoyment purposes. I just take the fight in. As I study a little bit more, I guess, I approach it in different ways. Sometimes I will watch, so say for example, I'm I'm studying Jordan and and Morgan. I'll watch the fight where I'll just look at Morgan and I'll just look at his body movements, look at what's working for him. And then I'll watch it again. I'll look at what Jordan's doing. And then I'll go watch my own fights and I'll put myself in the headspace of, right, if I'm fighting Paul Hughes, what am I looking out for? What am I doing to this guy? And then I rewatch, rewatch. And that's sort of how I put things together. But ultimately, I mean, a, fight's a, fight. So everyone's, a fight is a fight and everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And that's the truest thing I've ever heard in my life yeah. <laughs> with fighting. But it's it's about basically covering everything and making sure that you are going into that fight with every single possibility in your favor to make sure that you're winning that and not giving this guy an inch. I think younger in my career, I I, I would have went in and just scrapped. And that's fine. I mean, it's you got to be able to to do that and know that you can bite down in your m- mouthpiece. But when you start getting to this higher level, you you these wee small percentages and these wee small things make a difference. And I feel like I'm very mature in my approach to the game now, and I'm I'm very mature in, in how I approach my my actual fight on the night. So um, that's why I'm saying expect a, a special performance here in two weeks. I I honestly think I'm going to run through him. Absolutely run through him.
3: And you said that you know you feel there's exciting things ahead. Is you know, is your game plan? You know, looking obviously, I know you're not looking past. You know, the, the the next fight, but you know, seeing the journey that Ian's now on and Paddy's now on and 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 you know, so many of the other uh, fighters from from this side of the world, is that a journey you're looking to kind of follow? In, you know, follow on from with
4: as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the goal is UFC World and That will happen one day. I will actualize that dream. And it's all it's been the goal. Like, I have absolutely no doubt that I'll be there very, very soon. Absolutely no doubt. But I got to actualize this first goal first. That was the original one. About four years ago, I set the goal to be Cage Warriors World Champion just when I turned pro. And I knew I had the skills. I knew I had the mindset to do it. And we're very, very close to doing that. But absolutely, UFC, I will be the UFC featherweight champion. That, that will be done. Um, of course, watching these other guys going in, um, you got the likes of Ian signing, Paddy signing. Like, there's no, there's no like malice or jealousy in me thinking like that should be me now. It's like I fully understand that this game is it's a it's a wild chaos of a game, and everyone comes in to their peak at different times, and everyone gets opportunities at different times. So I don't pay too much mind into that. I mean, I know where I'm going. It, I will be there. So yeah, that's how I'm feeling right now.
2: Down, so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless: Better to get 30 to 30, get thirty. Better to get 20, Better to get twenty, twenty. 15 to get 15, 15, Just fifteen bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash
0: switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Hold up.
3: One of the things that you know you, you, you're talking about that kind of you know the way you talk so confidently there that you know I'm going to be you know UFC world champ, which is exactly the mindset you must have. Um, however, like every time we've spoken to anyone about this upcoming trilogy, and we were speaking to Dan Hardy the other night on this podcast, and everybody's saying they're looking forward to Paul Hughes fighting. Um, do you take? Do you find? any kind of like weight of expectation from from hearing like so many people you know talking about you hyping you you know does that how does that kind of how do you process that 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 kind of expectation
4: i mean i love it i love the pressure pressure creates diamonds as they say um i don't think that anyone can put more pressure on me than i put on myself to be completely honest um as, as you progress in this game, it's it's okay when you're the young buck and you're coming up and you're talking shit and you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. There is added pressure when you're now five fights deep and you're there in that position. You've got to do now what you've been talking about. You've got to back up those words. So maybe there's a little bit of pressure there just to to get the job done. But, I mean, like the likes of Dan Hardy and people like that speaking about me, before my last fight when I was walking out with Hendon, he said that I'm the best prospect. And one of the best prospects in all of Europe, and that was just like a wee. I must say that was one of the coolest moments in my career watching that back because it was just one of these things. Like, I mean, I obviously look up to Dan so much. He's he's such a gentleman, and of course, in my opinion, one of the best MMA minds ever. And for him to say that, that's like a wee. It's like a wee solidification that I'm on the right path. So everything that I've been telling myself is is true. And uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing to hear words like that from from such amazing people like Dan Hardy. And it must be
2: also so beneficial. Like, were you in the corner for for Joel McColgan's win as well? I was. You were. Uh, so. <laughs> so, so you're uh, so you're two and as a coach. That's that's one thing <laughs> we need to say as well. Uh, so so Khabib better watch out because he's getting doing well with the coach in a moment. But Paul Paul Hughes is coming up the rear. Um, but uh, I was going to say, how is it with? Um, it must be so beneficial to have been in the corner of both Ian and Joe winning title fights on Cage Warriors. Do you think there's anything you've learned from that experience that you'll be taking
4: into the fights with you? Um, yeah, I mean, like, just getting it done on fight day. Like, Joe McCogan, he just went out and executed the game plan. Like, of course, I knew the game plan going in. I was working with him the entire time. My, he just followed exactly what Coach told him to do, and he came out with that unbelievable victory it didn't it, it was honestly one of the best performances in Cage Warriors history if I'm being completely honest it was incredible and I think that's definitely something that I took was just stick to the plan listen to your coaches and, and get the job done but uh, it's funny I've got this question a lot recently and like as much as it's amazing to see the guys do it it's like I, I always known I've always known that I was going to do it too so it's not like oh like Call. it wasn't the case of like oh they've done it like you can definitely do it it was like three years ago i was like no you're gonna be the world champion yeah. <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah but uh, being there to share them experiences with them alone was incredible especially my teammate joe i mean like we go through the trenches together and the guys the guys are absolute warriors he, he fought for the belt before came up short and came back and put on as i say one of the best performances in cage warriors history so exciting times
2: what, what is it about that kind of fighters mindset? Like, where where does that come from for you? Because I have to say, from like from like an acting point of view, if someone was saying to me, "Oh, I'm I'm definitely going to get that role that I'm going up for," or like, oh, I'll, "I'll win an award for this performance," we'd all be like, "You're a dickhead!" Like, why are you, you arrogant prick? But then <laughs> with fighters, you it seems to be that so many of you have that mindset of, I will be champion one day. I will be a world champion. I will get to the UFC. I will do that. And we will kind of sit back and go, God, that's quite inspiring, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I love that. kind of. Emotion. I don't know what, why is it different for fighters or maybe sports people to talk in that way, as opposed to other people in life? And where does that self-belief come from, from like within you? I, get-
4: That's a fantastic question. Um, Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of the interview. (laughs) That's it. Done. I'll clear that. (laughs) Um, The way I perceive it, mate, I think that because, of course, fighting as such is an individual sport, you're in there by yourself. Not only that, I think, I I truly believe it is the hardest sport in the world. It 100% is in my eyes, mentally and physically. I mean, we're still at the point where we're getting paid nothing and we're sacrificing our entire lives for this, our, our our lives and our brain cells for this game. And not everyone's willing to do that. And to to reach the pinnacle of this sport, to become the best in the world, the whole mindset has to be the elimination of doubt. That's something mm-hmm. that I understood early. I mean, just I, I'm a little bit into my reading and my sports psychology and things like that. And I remember reading a couple of books when I was like 18, 19 and and they talked about sports performance and high performance. I'm obsessed with studying high performance and business, sports, everything. And the number one thing they said was elimination of doubt. It's like, you cannot doubt that you will get there one day. And I think it's so unbelievably important for fighters because it's not a team sport. You don't have 10 other players in the team to help build you up on the days that you're not feeling good. It's all down to you And although, yes, you have a team and you have fantastic relationships with your team, it's still a very lonely journey and that's something that people don't understand about this game, the sacrifices that it takes. So you have to go to this place where I mean, and and you're coming in and out of it for years until you get there with with the positive affirmations, but you have to get to this place where you just tell yourself, I am the fucking man and I have the potential to be the best in the world and I'm and of course, then you asked, where where does that confidence come from? The confidence comes from, from me, personally speaking. It comes from the work that I do. And it's pretty simple. It's it's pretty simple in that regard. I feel like I work harder than anyone. I feel like I improve faster than anyone as well. And that's where a lot of my confidence comes from. And I guess as, as well, probably getting in there and the more experience that I've got, I mean, I know I'm a dog. I know that on my bad day, I can still get in there and scrap my heart out until the final minute of the final round. Um, so yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's my answer.
2: (laughs) That's a great answer. Um, one of the things I suppose that can chip away at that kind of positive mental outlook is social media. And I don't know if you've had to deal with much mega negativity on, uh, on social media, but it seems to be something that at some point or another, particularly in the fight game, you're going to get, whether it be, you know, who the person you're fighting, you might have had this with Morgan Charrier. I know he's a very popular guy in France. There's probably a lot of French people tweeting at you or on your Instagram DMs saying that you're going to be in trouble, you're going to get knocked out or whatever. How do you kind of put the kind of negative impacts of social media away in a box somewhere and not let it penetrate that kind of, steely positive mindset that you were just talking about
4: um another fantastic question um i think that's
2: that's two for me and none for stew just (laughs) stop bigging him up paul
4: he's loving it (laughs) i am loving it um no um i mean i guess it sort of depends on the person that you are as well but me personally like I don't, I just sort of have this force field for negativity. And I know you hear people say it all the time. It's like all this woo-woo shit, but like nothing like that will get to me. Like social media and whatever people can say will get to me. People that I don't know. Now, if someone that I love told me you're a fucking asshole, (laughs) I'd be like hurt. (laughs) I'd be hurt. I'm an emotional guy. But I mean, these people that you don't know, I mean, they can say whatever the hell they want. And it's, but, but everyone's different mate. And people come yeah. from different upbringings. People have been through different shit. And this, these wee bits of negativity can get to you and they can build on you. Now, that's me saying this now where I'm only getting some French nerds calling me out and a l- little bit of hate in UK or whatever. Just, I mean, cause when, when you're talking like I'm talking, people hate on that, which is totally fine. I, I get it, whatever, but that's me speaking now. Maybe it'll be a little bit different in five years when I'm famous and I've got a lot more hate and, and people are, are actually going out of their way to try hurt you and to try get in your head and try and make a story. So yeah, it's it's of course there's it's just pros and cons to the game, and there's pros and cons to having a brand where people know you. Um but it's I mean, winning has a cost and you have to be willing to pay that cost to and yeah.
3: Are you happy to sort of play that game? you know, when you get the wins, like obviously just to use Paddy as an example, obviously Paddy talks a lot and, and that's getting him a lot of press. And then to do that mm-hmm. post fight interview and constantly say that Scousers don't get knocked out. Great calling card. Everybody's going to want to knock the yep. Scasser out now. It's, you know, it's a smart <laughs> thing and I'm sure, you know, Paddy's never short of, 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 of some, you know, ridiculously funny chat uh, and obviously brimming with confidence. You know, you know, you, obviously you spoke about, you know, thinking maybe I'll just throw the belt on the floor and stamp over it and then thought better of it. And uh, do you take into consideration that media game and like and creating Paul Hughes, for want of a better description, the brand, you know, as as we've obviously seen with Connor, we've seen it a lot with Ian Gary as well and how outspoken he is. You know, is that something that that interests you and do you think do you think it's something you can fake?
4: To a certain
3: extent, I think Ah, oh, You're something-
4: meant to start
3: that with great question. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell.
4: Best question of the day. Ah, yes, so mate. Don't, yes, Don't mate. Best question <laughs> of the day. Don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, to the last bit of it, but I think that there's a certain degree that you can fake it to a certain degree. I mean, you can get guys who are famous rappers now who can't rap. I mean... You you can fake it in some regard, but ultimately, the longer and longer you're in the spotlight, people will find you out. It's very very simple. That's the that's the thing about branding. To answer your first question, like I absolutely believe that I have to have Paul Hughes a brand. I work very hard, even now, to to improve that. I've now signed with Paradigm uh, Management Company, who are the top dogs in the world, and I've been working a lot with them and trying to learn a lot from them. I mean, like. I want my brand to be as as good as possible because I don't want to be one of these broke fighters, mate. Yeah. I do not want to be one of these guys. I want to have several businesses and several different outlets of income before I retire from the game. I don't want to rely on fighting. That's the last thing I want to do is rely on fighting where I'm sacrificing brain cells to get paid. Mm. Um, so I, it's so unbelievably important in today's game. I mean, especially you just look at the difference in in the pay grades of guys like people who are just I mean like brand is everything, mate. Like it's everything, and how much eyes that you can bring to your fight is is directly correlated to how much you're going to get paid. Absolutely. So very simple in that regard. And I mean like I, I want to make money in this game, and of course that wasn't the thought whenever I was coming up because there were, when I was starting like Conor McGregor wasn't even a thing really. Like um he was nowhere near UFC. But, I mean, now, after all that I've sacrificed now, I mean, I want to capitalise as much as I possibly can. I want to set my family for life, and that's what I'm prepared to do. And, I mean, there's only, I've probably only got another 10 years left in, getting in this game of 24, so it's a very short period to to just work hard at, and hopefully I can enjoy the fruits of the labour after that.
3: You mentioned that um, when you got into MMA, Conor wasn't, you know, well, I presume he was training, but wasn't obviously the Conor McGregor that everybody else knows. Um, mm. w- w- with that in mind, Paul, what fighters were inspiring you then? Who was you watching?
4: When I first started, so of course I was watching UFCs and stuff. The, the first sort of thing that had like really got my attention in UFC was Anderson Silva versus Chael Sonnen too. Oh, I don't uh... think I was watching it before that, but I remember the build up and I remember just Chael Sonnen. And of course, at the time, Anderson Silva was God. I mean, he was God in, in MMA. And, of course, Solon had near beat him the first time. Um, so the likes of Anderson Silva was definitely someone that I watched growing up uh, in MMA on a, on a bigger end. Um, on a lower, on the more regional circuit, I had there was a guy, Ryan Roddy, and a guy, Tommy Quinn, who were actually competing on Cage Wires, who were from my area, both dairymen. And to me, this was like the coolest shit ever at the time. I was like, I couldn't believe that there was two guys where I'm from that are like fighting in this massive show and they could go to the ufc at some point i was like there was no errors in the ufc at this point there was unheard of mcgregor was just coming up through cage warriors i believe as well so there was no there was no like oh like i could be a ufc fighter that was just not the thought back in the day there was nobody had done it um so i would say definitely these guys would have been my inspirations growing up for sure excellent and i saw um
2: after your win against Hendon in your last fight, you you were quite emotional, and I I wanted to ask you, you know, what that that fight was obviously your first fight after the very very close split decision loss to vucenic and I wanted to ask you, kind of from an emotional point of view, what was it like immediately after that vucenic fight versus what was it like immediately after that Hendon fight? Because they must be such completely different ends of the spectrums when it comes to like your emotional state
4: after a, a, a full fight? Do you know what, mate? They were completely different emotional states and they're not what you would think they were. You would, of course, think that I was gutted after the loss and happy after the win. In fact, it was the complete reverse. And this has been one of the strangest things that's happened in my career, to be completely honest. So after the Jordan fight, I, as soon as I got to watch it back, now, obviously, when they, when they raised his hand, I was like, my world fell apart and I was like what the fuck like this is a this is a joke there was no way that he won that fight when I watched the fight back straight away after the fight I was like do you know what I won that fight there's no there's no doubt in my mind I won that fight so in my head it was like Paul you've won like you've got screwed with the judges but one more fight and you're going to be back there so it doesn't matter so I actually had a fantastic night was able to just go sit in the lobby speak to everyone was happy in my mind, I won everybody, and I can't say who exactly of the staff, but like they all sort of thought that I sh- should have got the decision. So in my mind, I was just like happy. I went home the next day, see my family, was like, "It is what it is." Like if there's a way to lose per se, it's in an incredibly close fight like that, where the fight completely blows up, and, and my brand has grown massively. And not only that, the majority of people thought that I won. I mean, that's pretty clear. So compare that to the Hendon fight I was crying after and like I think the crying was just like I'm an emotional guy and the game is just it's a, it's, it's a tremendously hard game and it breaks you down and I mean I I can't recall doing anything social or doing anything from that period from, from Christmas time to March because the world was in lockdown I was just living in the gym I was seeing a few training partners and like I was just thinking about getting back getting back getting back and it takes you to a lonely place and takes you to a dark place at times. And I think what just when I got that win, I was so emotional just just because of everything that happened with the Jordan fight as well. But to be honest, after the the Hinden fight, so when maybe the, the week after, a couple of weeks after, when I watched the fight back, I was like, I was actually in this state of like not depression, but like state of like that's a, that's extreme. It wasn't like that. It was a, it was I would say frustration. At my performance, I, I just feel like it was a very poor performance. I feel like I just didn't show what I was capable of and it was the fact that it was close and I know James Tendon's a beast. like I have no doubt that he'll be champion one day himself. He's, he's a phenomenal fighter and he's so tough but in my mind, I should have just, it shouldn't have been close. I mean, it was probably one round each going into the last round. I, of course, I took over him and absolutely dominated but if that round had been a little bit closer in the third round and it went to the judges unclear and they had to give Hendon a decision, that's sort of what was in my head after that mm. fight. And I was like, this this just can't happen again. But that that was a really frustrating time because I was like, right, you need, you need to up the game here. Yeah,
2: I heard you say that, you know, you were incredibly fresh after that round. And if that round had gone on for maybe like even another 30 seconds to a minute, it looked like you would have got a finish. In in that fight, um, do you? I mean, I'm this this fight with Sharia, I'm assuming is obviously going to be five rounds. If you're in a three round fight again, because you seem to be someone that has very good cardio, do you think you might need to push the pace a little bit more because you're capable of doing that? Yeah, push the pace more in a three round. In a, in a three round fight, yeah, yeah, because obviously five rounds is a different beast, obviously altogether, but. Mm that that three round fight, it seems like you left that fight with energy. And I think I've heard you say that in interviews as well. So do you think that's something that in three round fights in the future, because obviously, you know, it all goes well, you win this fight, you maybe defend the belt and all that stuff. You're going to the UFC and you'll be straight back into three round fights. Do you think we might see a Paul Hughes that goes right in three round fights? You thought that pace was good before you wait
4: till you watch me now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think because of that last fight with Hendon, I was training for a world title fight. I was training for five fives just in case there was anything happening in the Mm -hmm. Jordan and Morgan fight, which was the same card, uh, or sorry, the the same trilogy. So all of my spars and all of my preparation had been four or five fives. So probably just the way I was training, at the end of the day, you fight how you train. The way I was training was probably for the five fives. And of course, you can't do the same piece. Like my doghouse rounds, which is basically you stick me in a cage and rotate training partners for five or six rounds, mm. was all up until the fight. It was still 5-5. Five, five. So that was something that I learned from the last fight because when I came out of the fight, I was like, I'm not even tired. Like I should have, like, I'm not tired. That's why I'm talking about being annoyed. I was like, I wasn't even tired and that fight was close. So why were you not putting it on him? Mm. That's That was one of the things that sort of got to me. But I mean, I'll not have that issue this time here. Mm. I mean, you could always blame it on the groin shots because you took
2: two of those, I think, in there and they looked a bit painful. I mean, there's some very interesting shots of you adjusting yourself and looking slightly pained in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the cage at one point. And, uh, I mean, what? I mean, is there a reason why... Wh- is it a situation where you feel like your opponent might be tired so you don't want to take the full five minutes? Because, I mean, my son accidentally hits me down there and I'm like, I need a full 10 minutes. So, like, <laughs> you're getting need there by a grown man Is is, what is the reason that you don't just take the full five minutes? Because that takes a lot to recover from, I'd imagine.
4: Yeah, it just—I guess—it depends on your mind frame at the time. You could be, say, you're in a clinch position, you get knee there, and you want to get out and strike with this guy. Then you just like once they break you up, you're just like, right, I can get back on him here. Like this will be all right. Do I mean once you get back in the zone, you can always get through it, unless it's it's very very serious. But yeah
3: enough. Well, we, we, we've realised that we've had you for for nearly fifty minutes now, so we won't take up too always. much more of your time. I know you've been uh, you've been training today. Um, always like to ask some uh, some some more fun things at the end. You said that weight cut's going well, training's going well, uh, so we've got absolutely no reason uh, to think that you're not going to get the, the, the big win of the trilogy. Once it's done, we know that Ian Gary likes to eat bags of Skittles. Um, <laughs> what's your go-to
4: eats? post-fight oh large meal or like sweeties let's go both whatever both <laughs> right sweeties now this might seem like a plug but it's actually true my best friend has just started his own sweetie company it's called greedy Gwyn, and they're like these vegan like sour sweets and they are bomb like i have such a sweet tooth and they're just that perfect level for me nice. so sweetie wise and I see, funny enough, they're gonna be sponsoring me for this fight. So it's like <laughs> they'll be on my shorts. Love watch out it. for that. What a plug! But uh, m- uh, meal wise, we have this thing here in in Ireland. And it's called boojum It's like a Mexican chain, and that's that's the go to mate. That's that's the satisfying one. Uh, whenever I get back home and fed post weigh in, though, is Nando's. Lovely. Oh, good man. Who doesn't love a Nando's? For sure, mate. Always
2: slaps. Uh, that's it. And, and what do you do to relax? What's your when you're not training? When you're not fighting? What's your thing? Where you go? Oh, I'm just I'm I'm chilling today. I I like to do this. What's your hobby? What's your thing? You do to relax?
4: Mm, it just depends. Um, I, no, I've, I'm not really into watching TV shows or or movies. It's not really. I just I don't have the attention span almost. And when I watch like two episodes usually, I'm thinking I need to be training. But I've started watching Money Heist, which is fantastic. So there's one watching a bit of netflix but no nah, man i like my nature as well i like getting out from a walk so i like meditating i like reading my books um yeah that's that's what i do for my downtime and then go and see my parents at the weekend that's where i'm going after this i'll go down to Derry. Um, i actually live in belfast here now that's where i'm based but i'll go and see my parents here on a Sunday evening and that's that's usually my chill time because i get back at it again on monday and that's it yeah. Lovely. Right, well, we don't want to keep you away
2: from the parents any longer. Go and get some nice home cooking or something like that. Paul, it's yeah, been a vegetables. pleasure having
4: <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> oh, wasn't thanks so much,
3: Paul, and best of luck at the trilogy, my friend.
4: Yes, the lads. Thanks so much, man. I really enjoyed this interview. Oh, thanks, all the best, man. Cheers. Yes, that's, see you there. See you there. Bye, mate. Let's go. Bye, bye.
3: Paul Hughes. There you go. What a
2: lovely young man. What a lovely young man, and. He also just seems so calm and intelligent and on it. He seems, like, laser-focused on everything. I mean, he, even his downtime is things like just going for a walk in nature and, like, meditating. It's all stuff that's probably beneficial for his, his, his fights and, and training yeah, and absolutely. stuff like that. He's, he's you know, he's... I can imagine he's—he he's he said he mentioned Nando's towards the end there, but I can imagine him ordering a cheat meal. That's like watching his calories or something like that. You know, he's not gonna—not gonna go too mad. I think that he's—he's uh, he's just laser focused on on what his goals are, and and that just makes you think that he's likely to achieve them. Absolutely, absolutely.
3: Amazing that, you know, corner two fights, both of them fights have become world champions uh, (coughs) during them fights. It's amazing. Um, Yeah, just, um, like you say, just super calm and, like... You know, don't really watch TV. You know, I, I like to read my books. I mean, no, I, like... I found
2: that a bit rude. I mean, that is how I make my living. Please, please do go and watch TV shows, particularly if I'm in them. But, uh, but yeah, do do go Brilliant. and do that. He'll wait
3: for uh, the Blake Harrison uh, biography. Uh... <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll be some read, that will. Well, I mean, look, it was a pleasure having Paul on. He's taking on Morgan Charrier for the interim featherweight title at Cage Warriors 128 on Friday, October 1st. That's coming up very, very soon as part of the Cage Warriors trilogy. There's going to be some great fights on there. Uh, uh, Nathan Fletcher, the Hardwick brothers, who we're also uh, interviewing uh, the end of the uh, flyweight uh, tournament going on there, Sam Creasy, and it's going to be some really great fights at that Cage Warriors tournament. So they just keep adding them as well. Every do. time I, I jump on the uh, the socials, it's like oh another one. Yeah, return um, of Reese McKee as well yeah. coming back from the UFC. He had a very tough time over there. Uh, those of you uh, that, that don't know Reese McKee, you might know uh, Hamzat Shemaev. and I think Reese was unfortunately on the the, uh, the bad end of a Hamzat Shemaev beating. That's very hard to say. Um, but yeah, so Reese McKee's coming back, hopefully going to do some good things. So yeah, there's some really great fights on that card. So get on the fight pass to watch it, or better yet, uh, if you're going to be in the London area, get down to your call and watch those fights. Um, and if this is your first time listening, check out the back catalogue
3: do it because um, if Cage Warriors is your thang then uh, we've spoke to uh, a a big old bundle of them why are you laughing at thang (laughs) your thang
2: (laughs) who are (laughs) you
3: I'm trying to be down with the kids
2: (laughs) your thang
3: (laughs) yeah Yeah, we've We've spoken to the aforementioned, I'm just going to interject because you're just going to take the piss out of me more, uh, Nathan Fletcher, Ian Gary, oh gosh, Matt Bonner, um, um, the boss man himself, Graham Boylan, we're hoping to sit with, with Graham again uh, uh, this week and have another chat with him about the, uh, the trilogy uh, that's going to be happening super soon. Uh, and if you like your, your UFC and your Bellator, then we've had a huge bundle of fighters uh, from them, in, including... Uh, Volkanovski who's fighting very soon uh, and former champ uh, Tyron Woodley uh, and oh yeah there's there's a who's who at the moment there's
2: a who's who and there's obviously that phenomenal British crop of MMA fighters as well you're Arnold Allens Paddy Pimblett, Molly McCann Tom Aspinall Jack Shaw Brett Johns Jojo Calderwood Paul Craig, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Check out the back catalogue. As you've heard, we do some fantastic interviews with those guys, talking about their mindsets, uh, what they do outside the cage, how they prep for those fights inside the cage, their goals, their aspirations, all of those things. Um, So, yeah, is that about it?
3: I think we should also just thumb in there that um, if podcasts uh, are not necessarily... uh, your favourite way uh, to listen to them is audio then we've set up a YouTube channel um, and so you can head over to YouTube and you can watch our chats you can see my um, my aging grey face and you can see uh, Blake who's a, who's, a, who's a young handsome brute <laughs>
2: uh, yeah of course I am um, yeah so yeah there you go get on that guys do it bye